Diecast, the German football pod brought to you by The Athletic. Only 12 days to go now until Dynamo Dresden are allowed back from quarantine. But everyone else will kick off on Saturday, Sunday and Monday as the Bundesliga at last returns, or some version of it in any case. With me to spread a bit of positivity, if that's the right vernacular, about the football being back on are Kevin Hatchard and Christoph Biermann. But before we start, don't forget you can read my big fourth quarter of the season primer for free on The Athletic and subscribe for 40% off at theathletic.com forward slash Bundesliga's back. So gents, I guess the first question we have to ask is how is this going to happen? Uh, we've heard that Dinamo Dresden have been put into quarantine for two weeks. They will not be playing for the next two weeks. I guess the Bundesliga are hoping and praying that no tests will come back positive Friday morning or Friday evening just before the next game. This all looks a little bit uncertain whether we can actually go ahead what do you think Christoph? yeah it, it looks a bit shaky but i i found the uh, the reaction um, of uh, christian seifert the boss of the german football league very interesting he was commenting on on dynamo dresden so that the whole team has to go into quarantine on on saturday evening in one of the uh, big uh, sports programs in, in german tv and he was saying almost Yeah, uh, that shows how how good things work, and uh, that's something we expected. And uh, yes, now we have to to wait for uh, Dynamo Dresden to come back, and then we try to to fit the two games they can't play into the uh, schedule. And so he was he was commenting it as a as a pretty normal case. I found that interesting. Uh, but I think he's also hoping that it stays with Dynamo Dresden and, and there were there are no other uh, teams uh, going that way, especially in the Bundesliga. Uh, it's it's hard to imagine what would have happened if that wouldn't have been Dynamo Dresden, who are very low in the second division, but Borussia Dortmund or Schalke or Bayern Munich. I think what this shows as well is that what people may not understand is that It's not a top-down approach in terms of government. Individual health authorities will make different decisions about uh, how long clubs go into quarantine for. So, for example, in North Rhine-Westphalia with uh, FC Köln, they had a couple of players and a physio who tested positive, but they were isolated from the rest of the group and the rest of uh, the squad was allowed to continue to train. But uh, with Dresden, that's been uh, a completely different scenario. So I think we're going to have to get used to seeing this. Different clubs in different regions are going to have different outcomes depending on uh, whether they have a positive test. I think as well, just picking up on what Christoph was saying about uh, Christian Seifert, I think he was quite bullish about how it's all going to work. But also, I think he has been keen to strike a note of caution. It's interesting what he said about every week we have to prove that we deserve another week. And I think there is a feeling that this is fragile and this is very much a see-how-we-go scenario. We could also get a situation where some players will be sent into quarantine um, and some players who were in the part of the same game might not be in quarantine because two different health authorities have different views. <laughs> I know, for example, that uh, we know, for example, a lot of the players in the rural area don't live necessarily in the uh, in the city where they play in. They might live in Cologne, they might live in Düsseldorf. If they come up against another another team, let's say from Bavaria, 
and then somebody tests positive just afterwards, we could have whole different sorts of outcomes. Um, I think the point that Christoph makes is is really important. There is a there is a chance I think that even if the health situation will stay under control and the cases will be limited, the sporting integrity, if you will, and that's a hot topic, especially in the UK, is going to be compromised somewhat. Um, I mean, Dinamo Dresden coming back after two weeks' time. Christoph, are they expected to then straight away play again the next game or will they then need another week and miss a third week because they have to train? Um, how is that really going to be resolved? So far, my impression right now is, so they have uh, two weeks from now or from from Saturday and that means they will be in like 12 days uh, back on the on the training ground. And, and then they have um, five days to uh, prepare for the next game. And after this, they have what we call Englische Woche, so three matches within one week. And I think that's actually terrible uh, for the players. I mean, uh, already right now on a psychological at the psychological aspect so they have prepared vaguely so individually and in small groups and had some days of of uh, a full training i think also a bit looking forward to play finally and then you have to go into quarantine for two weeks and then you uh, can only do your some training at home and then after five days you have to to go out to uh, play very important matches and I think also a big problem in the weeks coming, if this uh, whole Bundesliga um, thing gets rolling, we will see a tremendous number of injuries. Because in the end, uh, the teams don't go well prepared into the season. I mean, they are fit, uh, but they are not football fit. Because it takes some days, actually some weeks to to find these nuances, uh, uh, these, these very extreme movements that you only have when you actually play football. And, uh, and I, I think uh, this will be, will be very, a very important aspect. And if that's a competition with a lot of integrity, where you um, start counting how many players you have, I'm doubtful about it. I think it's clear that this isn't going to be football as we know it. I think, you know, this is a this is an imperfect solution. It's something that, um, you know, it's an unprecedented situation and they're trying to find a way through it. But there are lots of problems. I think everything that Christoph's underlined is absolutely true. And you actually actually look at, we talked about that regional variation in terms of the health authorities. Well, of course, that applies to training as well, because Werder Bremen uh, have been more restricted than others in terms of when they could start their training and the intensity of that training therein. And they feel uh, that they are very much at uh, a disadvantage in that regard. And given the fact that they're already deep in relegation danger, uh, that's not an ideal scenario for them at all. So I think there are big concerns about uh, the fitness of players in terms of injuries and things like that. But the DFL, I guess, have just put together the best possible concept they have. This is going to be very much a wait and see. We're going to see how these things develop, see how positive tests affect things and see whether this is actually workable 
week to week. And I think that seems to be the approach that the DFL are taking one week, then the next week, then the next week. But yeah, in terms of uh, the midweek situation, in terms of having three games in a week, that's going to be a big, big strain on players. I think the, the reason why they didn't put an English Woche straight away was maybe out of concern for for those injury situations or injury problems. Uh, I expected them to to start with a, even a, a denser uh, program, but I guess they are wary of, of picking up too many injured players. Christoph, before we move on, what have you learned since how the game is going to be actually um, covered? Uh, if you are a journalist, for example, or um, if you're part of the the staff, how does it actually work uh, on Saturday when, when the first games will happen? It's a very complex uh, scenario. So the a stadium will be divided in uh, three different areas, three different stages of, let's say, uh, control. For example, when you look at reporter, they are, there will be 10 journalists uh, allowed, only local journalists, because uh, the idea is not that people don't travel. And at the end of the, the match, they have the chance to ask one question per medium per person and send it to the press spokesman who asked uh, ask it to the uh, to the head coach uh, of the of the team and you can watch it on tv and that's it there is no mix zone no no nothing so um uh, also in, in a way it's uh, it's a it's a, a very very strict restriction uh, when it comes to reporting uh, on on football, and and altogether it's it's very complicated, very hyper organized. It will be interesting to see how how much of this restriction the players can shake off. Uh, when they when they are standing on the pitch in the end and and starting to 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 play football, that will be very interesting to see if they if it in the end will be some probably some kind of pure uh, football and and you can uh, see the the fun they are having um, uh, playing again or if this uh, restriction are too heavy on them. The thing I find interesting about some of the uh, restrictions is which of it is good hygiene and which of it is good optics. So the theory is that the players have all been regularly tested and therefore will test negative and will be able to play uh, a full match with full contact and what have you. But they're not allowed to celebrate properly. It's going to be a brief contact of the elbow or foot. So imagine half the players, instead of training, will actually be working out what their goal celebrations are going to be. Um, so that's really interesting. Coaches are going to be wearing masks already. Marcus Gisdol, the Köln coach, has suggested that that's going to be uh, problematic and he won't necessarily have the mask on uh, the entire time. So... That's going to be interesting to see, A, if the players forget some of the things, as Christoph alluded to there, and B, just how things change over time. If we do go all the way through to June the 27th and get to the end of the season, how will things look then from when they look now in terms of how the game is played and how the regulations are followed? Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were fed up with overpriced razors, started Harry's to fix shaving. Their amazing quality blades are almost half the price of the leading five blade brands. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. Weighted ergonomic handle, five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lavering shave gel, 
travel blade cover. Now, I must admit I last had a wet shave about 25 years ago, but it looked so nice, the package, when it arrived, that I thought I'd give it a go. And I must say, my wife is absolutely delighted. So if you want to try out the effect on your wife or significant other, get started shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your trial set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash stylecast right now. That's harrys.com forward slash stylecast. And how will the game look on Saturday when Dortmund will meet Schalke in a very low profile, gently, uh, gentle way into the restart of the season, uh, the Ruhr derby? I mean, it's it's going to be the strangest uh, derby ever, of course, no fans. I wonder if the emotions will still exist outside the stadium or will, will, will it be also a diminished derby? And what do you think we'll we'll see on the pitch? I'll start with you, Christoph. Coming to the fans first, I I think we um, won't see any fans around the stadium. I, I expect everybody to be pretty disciplined. And I think actually nobody knows right now how this match will look like and all the others as well. Because I think each team has to, to, to find out how they cope with the situation uh, that, that nobody is there. How much are you a competitor uh, w without having the normal uh, situation around you? And I would expect uh, it to be um, an advantage for the big teams, for Borussia Dortmund, for example, or for Bayern Munich, because they have this intrinsic uh, motivation so much. They want to win every uh, training match and, and so on and, and so on. And because they are so, so, so fierce in, 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 in what they are doing. And so, so for me, uh, Borussia Dortmund, to, to, to come back to it, it's, they are the favorite and the big favorite, because uh, I think they have more of that. I think what's really interesting about this, I mean, this is the mother of all derbies, as is known. I mean, this is absolutely enormous. Um, and it's worth bearing that in mind. What fascinates me about this, I was thinking about Dortmund's season so far and the, the plank that they have built this season upon has been that extraordinary home form. I think that they're only the only Bundesliga team that still has an unbeaten home record. Uh, they've been incredibly consistent, not just this season at home, uh, but in the last couple of seasons and under Thomas Tuchel as well. So... How much of that is down to the fans? How much of a factor are they? And when that's taken away, how much damage does that do to their chances? The pressure is on straight away because the form that Bayern Munich have shown puts Dortmund under incredible pressure in the title race. They cannot afford to drop many points at all between now and the end of the season. And they're facing a Schalke team that we've seen this in, in recent Rafia derbies that Schalke, even though they're on awful form sometimes, will certainly produce something extraordinary and manage to beat Dortmund in these massive games. Schalke were awful going into the suspension of the season, barely scoring any goals, not getting any wins. They'd reverted to type. David Wagner, their coach, has talked a lot about uh, moving away from that kind of soporific football that they were playing under Domenico Tedesco and having more fun. 
Well, that fun factor totally disappeared in the weeks leading up to the suspension of the league. So this is enormous for both of these clubs, not just because it's such a big derby, but because of the situation they find themselves in. And we know that Dortmund might be without their two key uh, central midfielders, um, both Emre Can and Axel Witzel, doubtful for the game apparently, which I think might might make it very interesting. Um, we know that Dortmund can have that slight fragility at the back and to have that protection for the back four is, is absolutely vital. Um, I, but I guess the sense is that we really don't know if normal football will just somehow come back once the game kicks off or if the, the strangeness of the situation, the unpreparedness, uh, the weirdness of everything will take over and we'll see some really different outcomes, different, um, different performances, uh, both in a positive and a negative sense. Which, which makes it very, very um, yeah, unpredictable, even more so than it usually would be. Um, and of course, you know, the, the sensation of playing in May and June in the Bundesliga will also be, be quite strange. Um, it was interesting to see Julian Nagelsmann talking kicker uh, today saying, we will treat this like the Euros. We have nine games, we want to win them all, and then we win the Euros. Um, do you think it will be possible to adopt a kind of separate mindset to these games and almost treat them to treat them as something different to the regular season or will coaches try to just do the usual we'll, we'll look from game to game kind of rhetoric uh, and try to to be as normal as possible what do you think Kevin? I think some coaches like Nagelsmann will think outside the box I mean that's typical of him uh, to come up with a slightly different angle than many other coaches do and he is so so good at getting that mindset across to players that exactly what he wants uh, and getting information that's quite complex sometimes uh, across to players so that they can digest it. But I think you're right, Rafa. I think some coaches will very much adopt that game-by-game approach. And I think it's going to depend as well on the situation that different coaches find themselves in. I mean, Bruno Labbadia has come in to Hertha Berlin, hasn't had a game yet. Uh, He's their fourth coach of the season. There's been all the controversy uh, about Salomon Kalou's uh, Facebook Live broadcast, which showed uh, not all of the uh, medical protocols that have been laid out by the DFL were being followed in any way, shape or form. So there's been a lot of controversy uh, around the club. Even now, there's talk of uh, Jens Lehmann uh, joining the supervisory board. So all of the talk around Hertz has been uh, about anything but the football, really. Uh, So... It'll be fascinating for me to see how Labadier approaches that because he's built this reputation as a firefighter. Hertha still need a fair few points to stay up, uh, you know, at least uh, maybe three wins. And so, um, you know, I think situations will dictate maybe how coaches approach it too. Probably the most important uh, thing that coaches have to get across is to don't give the players excuses uh, because the situation is so so weird. So I think everybody uh, will try to find a way to create a kind of new normal or a different normal or or an absurd normal but a a normal that players don't give the excuse to say "Ah, we can't do anything i mean there are no fans there we don't have to wear masks we um uh, we, we have to do this and that and that's not real football and I think that's, uh, if you call it a European Championship or, or, or you're trying to, uh, to to deal it 
as a as a pretty normal situation. I think that's what most of the coaches uh, are thinking about right now and to to get their players into the right mind frame. We haven't heard a lot from players in this whole thing. We, we heard, of course, from Bigger Fastrete. We heard a little bit from Nevin Subotic, but we haven't really seen that that backlash as it were. Um, there is no real strong voice of the players' uh, union in Germany. Uh, Christoph, two questions. Do you think that players have been overlooked somewhat in this respect? And secondly, what do you think the temperature is or what the sort of what is the real mood there? Is there um, that joy of coming back that, that Nagelsmann has talked about, that you talked about maybe seeing players actually enjoying themselves once they're playing? Or is the concern for um, for the health bigger, uh, or is the understanding that they just have no choice, uh, just the overarching feature here, and they just accept that it's their job? How do you how do you sense the the mood out there among the players? So to answer your your uh, your first question first, um, yes, the the Bundesliga players were not sitting at the table; they were not really part of the discussion and. The explanation for that is they are not well not well organized. There is something like the PFA in in England, in Germany as well, but is not not as strong and also not as strong as in Italy or in in Spain. So there is no real voice, no strong organization uh, of the players, and that's a problem. And and probably uh, that now it has been so obvious. Uh, so maybe that we see some changes in 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 months uh, to come. My impression is that uh, most of the players are actually really happy that they can play football again. But but they are they are they are um, for sure are also some of the players that are maybe a bit they even afraid uh, to play and what can happen to them. Um, you you have uh, you have players who have asthma, for example. So. Um, if they get the virus, maybe their lungs will be more badly affected than by uh, with uh, uh, other players. And um, but but I think the majority. And when you when you were reading some some of the short reports from the uh, about the atmosphere in training and what I've heard talking to people, they were really like, oh wow. We, we can train together as a team we can we can uh, in the end we can play football again be it as it is and at least it's football because um what we sometimes forget these guys love playing football and hopefully we, we we see a bit of that there was one interesting story surrounding Mainz. it had been suggested that they'd actually asked their players to give written consent to go ahead with this uh, and that that could be withdrawn by a player uh, at a future date uh, if they felt that was necessary so that's going to be interesting to see to what extent clubs will maybe want not a guarantee but certainly some kind of evidence that players are absolutely happy about this going forward do you like beer do you like free how about you guessed it free beer as a valued listener we'd like to bestow upon you just that thanks to our good pals at beer52.com you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world all you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash German and cover just a postage of four ninety five. Got to pay the postie. And as if that wasn't enough, as a listener of Stahlcast, you get two extra free beers. So that's 10 free beers. 
Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries planet Earth has to offer. No surprise then that they are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 delivers a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Belgium, South Korea, California, New Zealand and many more, but they haven't forgotten their roots. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave any time the power is in your hands. As well as the best, most interesting beer money can buy, your case will include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment, which explains the theme and individual beers you'll receive, and a beery snack is thrown in just to top it all off. Don't like dark beers? Choose the light plan. Easy. Just go to beer52.com forward slash German to get your case free. And don't forget right now, Stahlkast listeners get two, three extra beers. Right. So if we assume that football will be able to be played and that we will get the fixture list somehow uh, through without any uh, real interruptions or with um, even mm-hmm. a, a break, perhaps. What do you think is the most likely outcome in the Bundesliga? What What's going to happen in the title race? What will be uh, the European situation and who's going to go down? Christoph, first you. What I said in, in the beginning already, I, I think it's um, for, for these uh, teams with a lot of players with a high intrinsic motivation, they have a, a advantage. And so for me, uh, Bayern Munich is a huge favorite for, for winning the, is it already a seventh German championship in a row? I think uh, uh, Borussia Dortmund will be in the Champions League places in the end. Uh, RB Leipzig, I think as well. And uh, for the rest, I'm, I'm, I, I don't want to make uh, make prediction because it will, will be all pretty close. And when you look at the relegation, I think that will be a very complicated uh, uh, situation. And I expect some team to drop uh, miraculously and maybe drop out of the Bundesliga we don't expect right now. I I don't know which team that might be, uh, but uh, I guess we we will have that kind of surprise. I think with the title race, Bayern was so relentless going into the suspension. I mean, they dropped two points, I think it was, across 11 match days, which is an extraordinary run of results. They felt like they had that ruthless edge back. Uh, Hansi Flick, I think, certainly deserved uh, the permanent contract that he's been given until 2023. Uh, And I just think they will set such a high bar for Leipzig and Dortmund. I think it's going to be very difficult for those two to make up that ground. Of course, a lot depends on Der Klassiker uh, between Dortmund and Bayern uh, in Dortmund. So that's going to be a huge game. Uh, But Bayern have shown such consistency um, and the likes of Serge Gnabry, Thomas Müller backing up uh, an incredible season from Robert Lewandowski. I think they're going to uh, be able to win that title again. There's a really interesting battle between two Rhineland rivals, I think, for that fourth spot, that last Champions League spot, and that's Bayer Leverkusen and Borussia Mönchengladbach. Gladbach under a new coach in Marco Rosa, I think, have been ahead of schedule in terms of what they've achieved. Uh, but I think Leverkusen, after... You know, being a bit in- inconsistent under Peter Bosch, their they're demanding coach, um, I think have finally clicked into gear. Kai Havertz was starting to look uh, back to his best, I think, in early 2020. And I think they might just snatch that fourth spot. In terms of the relegation battle, I think the bottom two, as it is right now, are in big, big trouble. Paderborn 
are going to stick to their style. They're going to be attacking. I mean, this is a club that uh, has by far the lowest budget uh, in the league. Uh, they've refused to overspend, which is laudable. Most of their players have spent most of their careers outside the top two divisions, but I think they're a bit naive and they'll just fall short. Werder Bremen, I mean, so many problems. They've had so many injury issues, a total lack of confidence, a total lack of... Um, focus really at set pieces with their defending and I think they are in huge trouble they've only ever been relegated once that was in 1980 and I think they have a Herculean task ahead of them to avoid a second relegation well if we can get the game staged um, in, in an orderly fashion I think there is enough to to look forward to the question is how will we how will we experience it it was very interesting to see the K-League uh, or at least bits of it uh, this weekend um, I don't know, Christopher and uh, Kevin, if you have uh, were exposed to that, um, if that is the right uh, phrase these <laughs> days. But um, um, it A was actually <laughs> it was actually interesting because they were piping in these these fake fake um, crowd noises, and before the game, I was thinking that is that is just the worst. That's just the last thing you need is fake noise from the crowd but actually in a really strange way it it kind of works it tricks your brain into thinking there is a real game going on even though that you see the empty stands um, it's my understanding that the Bundesliga or at least some of the rights holders will make this an option when you watch and I'd be very interested to see if the international feed will 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 carry that noise or if they will go with the with the ghostly silence, uh, but I was very, very interesting to see. I don't know if you uh, came across it. I just saw like a, a one-minute highlights of the goals and of some goals and this new way of uh, celebrating with the elbow and 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 the foot and so on. But were they mixing it uh, later on, or were they playing it in in the stadium? The 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 atmosphere. What I really liked, if I may take a diversion here, is. Um, Borussia Mönchengladbach fake supporters or or supporter dummies. So what they did, they they set up an app and you could could uh, download a photo of you and and pay some money and and then you will be put in the part of the stadium where you would like to put a photo of you, a kind of real life photo. And they already have uh, twelve thousand of that uh, uh, sold uh, in a about 50,000 uh, uh, people stadium and I think it looks nice because it's um, you don't look at these empty concrete terraces you don't look onto the gray or red or blue seats and um, and uh, so I like it and uh, maybe the uh, this atmosphere thing would be the uh, the second tri trick to trick us. I think as well they're going to have banners sent in from fans as well, aren't they? I think that's the idea with some clubs that uh, some of the ultras uh, will uh, will send in huge banners and kind of tifos to to try and. Um, cover up some of those bare stands. Of course, it'll be interesting to see uh, just what messages are on some of those banners. They might have to be checked maybe before they uh, get put <laughs> out. I think that, that may require a second reading. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. And I, I, I agree with Christoph. I think that Gladbach approach is a brilliant one. And I'll be interested to see if other clubs follow suit because, you know, not only is it a way for fans to, to kind of get involved and still be involved 
in the stadium. Uh, but it is a, obviously a practical way of covering up some of that bare space. I actually look back at uh, some of the highlights yesterday of uh, the uh, the only ghost game we've had so far, which was Gladbach against Köln. And um, even though I was surprised by the ferocity of the celebrations, actually, um, the noise of it uh, when the goals went in, um, yeah, those, those bare stands don't look great. Well, maybe they'll be able to smuggle in some remotely detonated pyrotechnics as well. <laughs> 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 That would make it interesting. Okay, well, I know one thing is for sure. We don't know what we expect. We don't know what we're going to see, but I think we can't help but actually watch it anyway. So let's reconvene once we've got the full match day of Ghost Games out of the way and see what we made of it all. Thanks for joining me, guys. Thank you, listener, for tuning in, and we'll speak to you on Monday again. Bye-bye.